This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Leadership is one of the more vital components a company can have. Former Cisco System CEO John Chambers knows this firsthand. He spent 20 years running the information technology giant, uh, now holding the position of Chairman Emeritus, but is now also running his own show as the founder and CEO of JC2 Ventures. John is also the author of a just-released book called Connecting the Dots, Lessons for Leadership in a Startup World, which looks at the most important qualities of leadership in this ever-changing world. And John joins us right now on the phone. John, welcome. Dan, it's going to be a pleasure, and thanks for the opportunity to talk with you today. Thank you. And as somebody that spent six years of my life working in baseball in West Virginia, it's nice to talk to another West Virginian. Ah, I might have got your autograph. Were you at the Charleston Senators at that time? I, I was back in back in that day. Thank you very much. I for... used to go and catch foul balls and sell them uh, to be able to get into the game the next day when I was a young kid. Thank you very much for coming on the show. So, when you look at, at today's business and you look at mm-hmm. at leadership, what are the components? What are the things that you think are the most important? Well, I think in terms of the component for a leader that's leading a large organization, uh, let's say a CEO of a startup or CEO of a large company or a head of a group, it's the ability to articulate a very clear vision and strategy of where the organization is going that is differentiated and sustainable. It's the ability to build a great team, uh, and that includes developing the team, recruiting, and periodically changing the team. Uh, It's culture, which I did not understand how important it was, perhaps, when I first became CEO, but you never have a great company without a very strong culture. And then the fourth element, which is more important now than ever, is communications and the ability to communicate to all your constituencies each of the elements we talked about. In terms of how I measure leaders, uh, it's results, quality of team, do they really understand the industry they're focused on, uh, their communication skills, how well they walk the talk, the culture, if you will, and the ability to outline a bold vision and then really make it happen. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned culture because because culture is really – it's interesting because it is a concept that really has come to the forefront in, in the mindset of businesses – basically in the last decade or so, maybe even even a little bit of a shorter period of time. Why is it, do you think, though, that, that it has taken this long for culture to be such an important component that leaders think about, but companies think about as well? Well, I think it is the differentiator, both in terms of the type of talent you attract, how you keep, and how your customers uh, view you. Uh, I came into it kind of backwards, if you will, at Cisco. I didn't understand the importance of culture, and today culture and strategy to me are equal in terms of importance. And at Cisco, one of the reasons that we were so successful, and we literally were one or two in 16 or 18 product lines, went from 70 million in sales to 48 billion while I was honored to be there. And people would say we had one of the strongest cultures uh, in not just Silicon Valley, but in the country. Mm-hmm. And we outlined the culture of giving back, innovation, etc. I knew every single illness of every employee that was life-threatening in the company, their spouse or their children, and was often on the phone with them, even on 
Christmas Eve, if that's what it required, and yep. you would move heaven and earth to help them. When a customer had a problem, we put customers first, and we walked the talk of that. And so I listened to every critical account in the world every night. We paid our management on customer satisfaction. So we matched culture to our whole fundamental strategy. And I think people underestimate that. And it's one of the things I love with the new startups. When you get a, a, a new young CEO, they get the vision and strategy, they get the team, and they get the communications. And communications is another area that's changed dramatically in the last decade. Culture is usually what they pick up the slowest. And then the fun thing, Dan, is when they get it and they see the results with their employees or with their customers. You know, and it's just it's part of the fun of teaching and being a mentor to these young companies. So then why do you think then when, when the numbers come out about startups and the success of startups, why do you think that the numbers of uh, the percentage of failures of startups is so high then? Oh, I think it's always going to be high. Okay. Uh, the failure startups are probably at 70% plus. Uh, the most successful venture capitalists in the world in terms of their funds returning often have uh, more failures than the average venture capitalist because they take more risk. Yeah. But the one or two home runs out of that portfolio carries the whole investment. Um, I think this is a period where you're going to disrupt or be disrupted. Dan, in simple terms, I believe that 40% of the large companies in America or around the world will disappear in the next decade because of digitization and the speed of disruption and artificial intelligence and, and different business models. And so I think the disruption is actually going to accelerate. My worry in the U.S. is the reverse. I think it will continue to have a high failure rate of startups, and that's just a natural process. And you shouldn't be in them unless you understand that's going to occur. And it isn't, are you going to make each one successful? It's just if you miss once, then get up and go do it again. But it's the ability to really re-innovate yourself each time and to take the risk. My problem right. is the number of startups in the U.S. is almost at a 20-year low. Right. Uh, we used to have 90% of the world's venture capital, then 80. Now we have 50%. And if you watch the number of IPOs, which are really the future indication of job creation in this country, and they're kind of the tip of your iceberg, if you will, during the 90s, uh, it was 400 to 500 a year and reached a peak of 700. This year, we're excited that it's going to go over 200 for the first time in three years. But if we're trying to generate 25 to 30 million jobs in the next decade, uh, which we need to, and then you're going to have a certain number of jobs that have to be created because of digitization destroying others. Yeah. We've got to get the startup engine going much faster. So my worry is not the failure rate. My worry is there's not enough in the pipeline, and we aren't scaling them quick enough. One of the things you talk about in, in the early portions of the book, and, and kind of something you learned uh, as a young boy living in West Virginia and fishing with your dad, is the concept of staying calm under pressure. And you tell a fantastic story about a fishing trip that you took with your dad. I wanted you to, to relay that story uh, back, back down on the Elk River there in West Virginia. Well, it, it's fun, and you being from West Virginia, you actually know where that river is, and you know it's, it has very rapid uh, uh, runoffs in certain areas that are dangerous to swimmers, etc. And uh, I was six years old fishing with my dad, and uh, he shared with me to be careful not to fall into the river at this uh, section. It's a good place to fish, but it's very dangerous in terms of its depth and its, its speed in the rapids. And he was fishing about 100 yards above me, and what did I do? I got too close to the edge. I fell in, and I got swept away immediately. And my dad yelled at me to hold on to the fishing pole. 
and he kept yelling that, and I could see him to this day running through the water down the side with the water going everywhere. And each time I'd, I'd surface and I'd get a grasp of air, I could hear him yell, hold on to the fishing pole. And the fishing pole wasn't that nice a pole. It was kind of ugly, actually. But if he was more concerned about the fishing pole, obviously I was not in a problem. And so I held on to it, and I kept grasping for air. And he finally got below me on the rapids and then swam out and got me and pulled me to the side. And then he sat down, as my dad has often done with me, and kind of taught me a lesson in life. And he said, John, when you, you fall out into the rapids, if you try to swim against the current, uh, you risk drowning. And if you panic, you also risk drowning. So what you have to do is deal with the world the way it is, uh, to realize that you have to go down with the current and then look for your chance to get out of the water and then learn how to get out. And then as I got relaxed and calmed down, he put me out in the rapids and let me do it myself. Yeah. And then we took us up to where we started fishing, and he let me fish. And Mom didn't know this, but he again went 100 yards above me to send a message that I'd learned the lesson. <laughs> and I think that's the lesson in life for many leaders is it's how you deal with your setbacks or your challenges, how you remain very calm under pressure, even though you realize the gravity of the situation, and how you make sure that you're not swimming against the tide of the current in a way that you have no chance to win, but look for how you deal with the situation and get out and then progress from there forward. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely does. John Chambers is our guest. He is the author of the book, Connecting the Dots, Lessons for Leadership in a Startup World. Uh, The book is just out. It's available in bookstores and online for your purchase right now. Uh, John is the former uh, CEO of Cisco Systems and now the founder and CEO of uh, JC2 uh, Ventures. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Again, the book is Connecting the Dots, Lessons for Leadership in a Startup World by John Chambers, the former CEO of uh, Cisco Systems. Uh, you know, it's interesting, John, because you mentioned about about failure, and failure is something that you have said, and, and we've talked with some people also that believe that failure in business as a leader, it's not a bad thing. I think there's this this mindset out there that you can't fail at anything at any point in any period of your business career, but that's just not the case. You can learn so much from an occasional failure. That is true, Dan. If you watch, I think you're more a product of your setbacks and failures. And anybody that tells you they've never had failures or setbacks either didn't take any risk at all or uh, is not being honest with you. And I would argue, and Jack Welch actually taught me this, I think he was the top leader in business looking back three, four decades ago. Uh, and it was a time Cisco was on a run, and many people viewed us as the top leadership team in America, and we were coming up on the most valuable company in the world. And Jack said to me, he said, John, you've got a very good company. And I knew he was about to teach me something, and I said, Jack, what will it take? And he said, it will take a near-death experience before you have a great company or you're a great leader. Hmm. And at the time, I didn't grasp but then when 2001 hit and the dot-com bubble hit, I clearly understood it. I also understood at that time what Shimon Peres, the late president of Israel, had taught me over the years that leadership is remarkably lonely. It is how you handle your disasters or your setbacks that determine who you are more than your successes. And the way I get that across to your leaders, and then I'll come back and, and follow all the points specifically, 
is for anybody that has children who's listening to this broadcast, are you more concerned about how your children handle their successes of getting a good grade in school or scoring a goal in soccer game? Are you more concerned about how when they get knocked down, things don't go their way, they have a problem in relationships, et cetera, how they deal with that? And the answer is clearly it's the second one. And once you learn how to deal with a setback, you can accomplish much more in life. Right. For me, being dyslexic, uh, it was a challenge. Even though both my parents were doctors, my teachers actually thought in grade school I wouldn't graduate from high school, much less beyond. And because I had spatial help in dealing with dyslexia and stepping up to it, I learned how to take a weakness and over time actually make it a strength. So as you learn from those setbacks, those failures, that's how you get stronger each time. And the best teams in Silicon Valley were often teams that have not succeeded before but have learned and learned how to come back. But your point's a great one because when I talk to the startup leaders in France and France is a nation on national public radio or in the media, I focus on the the French to lead in terms of innovation and startups in Europe have to realize there's going to be a high failure rate. And failure is red badge of courage, not a negative from which you can't come back. And we were very open on that. And it was fun watching the French leadership in this world. President Macron does such an amazing job is they move from the worst place in Europe to do a startup with about 130 to 140 a year for a decade, uh, venture, high-tech venture back, to 740 this year. Right. So you've suddenly seen people not only understand the importance of entrepreneurship and startups and the job creator for all major countries around the world, but also the willingness to fail, which is a must successful, and the acceptance you also talk in the in the book uh, a good bit about in, in terms of being a leader that somebody has to be able to to, uh, to embrace change and embrace innovation. Obviously, the innovation part I think is 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 a well known quantity to what we're seeing in business today. The embrace change is still something that that some companies are, have a hard time dealing with. They get on this pattern of success, and they, they, they kind of ride that wave as much as they can until that wave uh, you know, ends. And, and the problem is that a lot of times you know, they, they don't, they're not able to get that next level of success. They end up you know, hurting their business more so if they weren't somebody or weren't a company that looked to make change along the course of success. Completely agree. If you think about it, and this this time period with digitization uh, is going to destroy business models and companies at a very rapid rate, and I believe that 40%, you can use the Fortune 500 or any number you want, uh, companies today won't exist in 10 years. And what it really says is that companies, if you're not disrupting somebody else, you're going to get disrupted. You grow or you die. And you've got to have the courage to change. But the most difficult ones to change, to your point, Dan, is the ones who've been most successful. And when I talk about what causes companies to fail, the number one reason is they miss a market transition, usually a business model change combined with a technology change. But the number two reason, they keep doing the right thing too long. So it's Cisco as an example, just to add meat to my my, uh, uh, dialogue here. We were a very successful router company. But we had courage to go into an area called switching. It isn't so important what that really means, but we went into an area that others had uh, done, but only in single products. And then we went from routing and switching into wireless capability and into voice 
and into data center and into security. And so we kept reinventing ourselves. And as we did, not only did our core product get better, our outcomes got better. Our competitors made the mistake of staying with the product as opposed to focusing on an outcome. And so it's the willingness to change to say we aren't a techie company building routers, but we are a company that is synonymous with the Internet that's going to change the way the world works that it's learned and plays. And then we articulated that vision and made it happen. And we were one or two in 16 of our major 18 product areas when I was there at Cisco for the 25 years. So it's the willingness to dis- disrupt or put a different way. All my competitors at the beginning, the WellSeeks, the Synoptics, the Cabletron, Equally as good of companies, yeah. very good leaders, very good products, but they didn't disrupt, they didn't get market transitions right, and even big companies, an IBM, an HP, a Dell, an Intel, who came at us were not successful because we kept disrupting and focused on market transitions, not doing the right thing too long. Uh, Were we perfect? Of course not. We made mistakes, but to your point, you get stronger from the mistakes, you learn from them, you go again. I wonder if you think because of how in this day and age we have so much change in technology and big data that is playing in, is that whether or not we're almost going to see a mindset change among leadership that you won't see as many leaders missing the, the missing the ball to a degree, missing that change. Do you, do you think that's that's a possibility? No, I, I think you you may be right, but I, I really think it's unlikely. I, really? I think huh. we are trained to do incremental improvement, not think exponentially. I think the changes are occurring so rapidly that many of the leaders, when they start to change, will not outline a crisp vision and strategy on how they're going to get there. Mm-hmm. They won't play out to the outcome. They won't make write the press release of what they look like three, five, ten years out and execute with the speed that is needed. So I actually think the breakage is going to increase both uh, existing companies and startup companies, and that creates opportunities. Uh, but it also says that it's a different mindset. Now, as the young leaders, the millennials, come out of school and they're trained more in this, then over time, looking out a decade or two further, then that might very well be the case. But at the present time, I think there will actually be more uh, challenges than successes. I hope I'm wrong on it, but that's what I've, I've seen over the years. John, uh, unfortunately, we're at the top of the hour. Thank you for coming on and talking about the book. All the best with it, and, and uh, look forward to talking to you again down the road. Dan, it was a pleasure. You have a great day. Thank you. John Chambers, uh, former uh CEO of Cisco Systems, now Chairman Emeritus. Uh, The book is Connecting the Dots, Lessons for Leadership in a Startup World. Uh, The book, as we mentioned, just came out. It is available for you in bookstores and online for your purchase today. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 